We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. If you aren't in over your head, how do you know how tall you are? This is from T.S. Eliot. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia, and the theme for our show today is the gift of challenges. And I'm Maria Wong. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. It's always a season for giving, so give big. To start off our show, we're going to be reading a chapter from Cynthia Bryan's book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. So without further ado, here we go, The Gift of Challenges. Everyone called her an old maid. She was 28 years old, the youngest of 12 children in a Swiss-Italian family, and therefore the designated caregiver for her elderly parents. Her destiny was one of servitude and celibacy. Each day was like the day before, one of service and rhythm with the seasons. In summer, she would climb the steep hillsides near her village of Ticino in southern Switzerland to pick grapes, carefully storing them in the straw basket on her back. In winter, she chopped wood, tended the stoves, and cooked for her family. Her life seemed fixed. Then one day, Louise Gina's father received a letter from his friend, Eugenio, who had emigrated to America. Eugenio had helped establish a winery in the Napa Valley of California and could now afford to marry. He asked that one of his old friend's daughters come to California to be his wife. It didn't matter which one. Luis Gina was the only unwed daughter, but she adamantly refused. She didn't want to travel to an unknown, unknown land to marry a stranger almost old enough to be her father. She remembered seeing Eugenio when she, when she was very young, and he had seemed quite ancient in, to her eyes. Her mother quietly urged her to go. We will be fine without you. If you remain here, Luis Gina, you will become old and crippled like me from hard work. Life may be easier for you there, and you can learn to like him. This is your opportunity for a life. Fortunately for me, Louise Gina accepted this challenge. She became my grandmother, Nani. It was in the early 1900s, and the voyage and steerage around Cape Horn to California was miserable, long, and dangerous. When Louise Gina finally reached dry land, the challenges were even greater. Eugenio met her at the port of San Francisco, wrapped from head to toe in bandages. He had been badly burned a week earlier in explosion in an explosion at the winery. With much apprehension, Louise Gina went off with the stranger to begin her new life as a vintner's wife. Secretly, she resolved to keep a suitcase packed in case she, could, she should ever go home to Switzerland. Eugenio was hardworking and honest, but very strict, the unchallenged patron of the house. The neighbors soon called Louise Gina uh, La Madonna because she was so quiet, sweet, and kind. The couple was very poor, but Louise Gina was able to prepare fabulous meals with fresh ingredients from their garden. Slowly, Louise Gina and Eugenio came to share a life and their skills for survival. Within eight years, they had six children, three boys and three girls. The children wore hand-me-downs and generally went barefoot, saving their shoes for school and church. A precious family photo shows this clan of shoeless ragamuffins standing in the garden, staring solemnly at the camera. 
As Luis, Gina, and Eugenio worked together, they grew closer, and their children learned the importance of caring and sharing. The winery became the prestigious Bilou Winery in Napa Valley. Their marriage thrived for 47 years until Eugenio died. Still mourning the man she had grown to love, Louise Gina got out her suitcase and returned to her homeland for a visit. Her first plane ride retraced the distance in a few hours instead of the months her original journey had taken. She and her husband had been the first in their families to go to the New World, and everyone in Switzerland was looking forward to her visit. At the time of her return, I was living in Holland as part of an exchange program, the first of her 24 grandchildren to go to Europe. I arranged to meet her at the airport in Geneva and accompany her for this truly wondrous rendezvous. With the excitement of a teenager, she told her Swiss family of the wonders of America. She had undertaken a great challenge and thrived. What she had thought would be frightening and miserable had turned out to be the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. After a month at her former homeland, she returned happily to her real home, America, much to the delight of her six children and 24 grandchildren. We are often urged not to be timid, to embrace challenges. However, one of the most difficult challenges is choosing which challenges to accept and which to reject. Jumping at every opportunity can keep you changing direction so often that you never get anywhere meaningful. Becoming a challenge junkie, quote, quote, can be as big a trap as never sticking your neck out. The person who relishes challenges and can choose wisely among them will be the happiest and most productive. The most threatening challenge can be an opportunity. Ask anyone who has, sur- who has survived a difficult time whether they would want to go through it again, and the answer will probably be no thank you. However, they will also tell you how much they learned about themselves, their strengths and weaknesses, and how proud they are to have come through. If my grandmother had been stopped by her fear of the unknown, her life would have been very different. But she accepted the challenge, and her family has contributed greatly to the wine industry of Napa Valley and to the fabric of America. And now for an exercise titled Balloons. This is an exercise that helps actors relax and meet the challenges of upcoming auditions and jobs. When you are feeling challenged, try being a balloon. Let your feelings blow you up until you can't get any bigger. Then go ahead and pop yourself, plopping on the floor in a heap or collapsing in a chair. Repeat this exercise three times. Next, become a balloon that is released into eternity. See yourself flying over the treetops ever higher, higher, higher until you reach your rising star. Attach yourself to that star and know you have the support of the universe to help you succeed. All right, and here we have a nice phrase to live by when you're dealing with challenges. Uh, When you feel uncomfortable or fearful, explore the opportunity disguised as a challenge. Without challenge, there is no achievement. And so, you know, um, that that brilliant story that we had from Cynthia's book uh, was absolutely amazing. And I think... You know, uh, I'm I'm the daughter of uh, two first-generation immigrants who came over with you know almost nothing and managed to establish a life life for themselves. So I feel like you know challenges are definitely really prevalent um, within my backstory, I guess I would call it. And I think I can definitely really connect with this story. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, from hearing their backstories from their grandparents, their parents, can also connect with the story that we just read I think that's pretty cool yeah for sure I mean for me I'm not a first gen over here my both of my grandparents all immigrated over here from China or Mexico so I feel like there definitely is that difference in facing challenges for me as someone my grandparents already came over here to someone like you where your parents did just immigrate over here so I feel like in both ways there are definitely challenges and this story really highlights this yeah definitely and like uh, you know, you, you, I guess, did, have you heard stories from like your grandparents, um, about like their journeys over from, you know, uh, China or Mexico? Yes, for sure. Um, my maternal mm-hmm. grandmother, she was the last daughter, I think the 16th daughter living on a rice paddy. Her family was very wealthy, but then came around the communist revolution and the Japanese, um, the Japanese invaded where they were. She lived in Southern China and she had to mm-hmm. flee, um, She was pregnant at the time. My grandfather was an American citizen already, so he was living in Boston trying to make money to send for her while she was fleeing Mm -hmm. the Japanese and had to give birth to my oldest uncle, who's around 70 years old right now, when 
and mm-hmm. while um while trying to see if the Japanese would come or not. It was just outside, just just a very yeah. romantic moment. Just <laughs> all these different stories like that. She it's definitely all the challenges that she's faced and she's very solemn. She was very solemn mm-hmm. about it. She never really talked about it that much, but the stories she did tell, they were very gripping and just so scary to think that someone could have lived through that. Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of funny because whenever, um, you know, whenever I say something about like my love, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm having friend troubles. And then my dad yeah, is like, yeah. you know, like, oh, you didn't like when I was a kid, you know, I was just studying from like sun up till sundown. But like, yeah, you know, our the the people before us, our grandparents, our parents have gone through so much and it's incredible to see how they faced up to their challenges and it's kind of nice to take some like inspiration from them um and to like see what life decisions they made and to really you know kind of use them to help you out in your own life which I think is like super cool yeah I feel like it really puts you in perspective too because I feel like especially Mm -hmm. sort of growing up in an upper middle class area where so many people are always like oh I'm having such a struggle doing this like project or blah 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 (laughs) school related friend drama Mm -hmm. Um, but hearing about your grandparents or parents or just anybody's struggles especially like with this story sort of coming to America coming to the United States or facing something Mm -hmm. completely foreign I think it really puts things in perspective. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, um, my my parents grew up in, like, the the last few years of the Cultural Revolution and, like, communist China and then, like, switch, you know, the switch over to, like, state capitalism. So they've got all these stories, too, about how they, you know, um, they just had cabbages during the winter and, like, nothing else to eat. And, like, you know, the, my grandfather got paid, like, $40 a month, so, like, a dollar per day. And he was, like one of the lucky ones and you've got all these like different stories of all the challenges they faced and yeah you know what you said about like hearing about school projects like they're also challenges but sometimes I kind of look at the challenges I'm facing and I'm like you know it could be it could be a lot worse like these challenges are helping me grow you know they're not that debilitating they're like uh you know they're pushing against my limits um hard enough that I'm able to learn from but you know I do have a lot to be thankful for you know I have a lot to be grateful for like my parents coming over here and giving me the opportunity to really settle within such a nice community within the you know San Francisco Bay Area and so I think you're right it does really put everything into perspective um and all right uh unfortunately that is all the time we have that was an awesome conversation great chapter great discussion with you maria um and support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the be the star you are charity that brings you this program and for more information on how to do this go to be the star and follow our blog i'm brigitte Gia. And I'm Maria Wong. More information is at our website, bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our great talk on challenges. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we are discussing the gift of challenges. And I'm Maria Wong. For this segment, we have the amazing Helen Ellen Hopkins, who has been on Express Yourself before. 
Ellen Hopkins is a former journalist and the award-winning author of 20 nonfiction books for young readers, 13 New York Times best-selling young adult novels, and three novels for adults. Two more novels are due for release in 2018. Ellen lives with her extended family, an amazing German shepherd, a retired rescue cat, and way too many aquarium critters near Carson City, Nevada. Welcome back, Ellen. Thank you. It's good to be here. Great. So... Starting it off, you were a freelance journalist for many years before moving into fiction. Why did you make the move? Um, What brought me there was, first of all, I think nonfiction writers and journalists always have more creative projects going on somewhere. Um, You know, it's we're stroking that that part of us that's that more creative side. And um, I actually thought I was going to write picture books, which is not my skill set at all. Um, but then I was a personal story that that hit our family, which is of my, my daughter's addiction to crystal meth. And when, after struggling with that addiction for quite a few years, I wanted to write a book for teens that could maybe turn them away from making the same choice that she made. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I got here. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, man, that's definitely like a pretty big challenge to face. And it's, you know, it's great that you were, you were able to really be her support base and, you know, help her overcome that and take some inspiration from it to help other teens turn away from that path. And so, you know, um, along with that, like, uh, how, how kind of was the you know, transition um, between journalist and writer, you know, what was the greatest challenge you faced during that transition? And was there any difficulty making that transition um, while this all was happening with your daughter? It was, the actual writing of that book was kind of like a catharsis. (laughs) So the story, Mm -hmm. that story poured out. Um, The journalistic um, efforts that I did have helped me as as I've moved through into this career farther with um, research and interviewing people and um, learning how to tell stories that belong to other people um, in a fictionalized matter. So it was just about some experimentation, um, figuring out the the style, the format that I wanted to write it in, and um, and how much to keep that was real and how much to fictionalize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, with both journalism and being an author, there's definitely an art of storytelling that comes with it. Um, as a child, like ever since you were a child, were you always a natural born storyteller? I was. I was. I started writing poetry first about, I was about nine when I published my first poem. So oh, it wow. was like, yeah, it was like seeing my name in print at nine kind of gave me this this impetus to move back into it after I took a few years off to go to college and and have a family and you know start a Find couple yourself. <laughs> right and then when you come back your storytelling is deeper already because of all the experiences that you've had yeah definitely and you know uh, there's that I, I don't know if it's a saying but there's that like uh, belief that you know a lot of writing comes from real life and can definitely see how you've brought some of those elements uh, into your books and you know elements of your life uh, elements of your own experience and so um, I I a few I think maybe like two three two two years ago maybe a little less uh, I found Tilt uh, at Safeway <laughs> one of your books and I begged my mom to buy it and I found out it was written in verse. I read through it and, you know, it was incredible. I really enjoyed the book. And so many of your novels are similarly, you know, written in verse. Uh, why have you chosen poetry as a form of storytelling and getting your experience out there? It's an ancient form of storytelling anyway, you know, Homer and Chaucer <laughs> yeah. and Shakespeare and some of those old dudes that are even older than me. <laughs> um, but because I wrote poetry forever, and I, actually, I started my first novel, Crank, in prose, but the voice was all wrong. It was like my voice and it was not her voice. And so I thought I'd try it in verse. Um, a couple other people that I read verse novels of really did it very well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd try it and then it worked and then I really enjoy it. It's a it's a challenge to make every word count. It's a challenge to get the right word choices. Um, and also, I think it invites a lot of reluctant and non-readers onto the page because of the white space is comforting to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I feel like especially reading um, books and verses, definitely I feel like somewhat of a different experience because rather than prose where it's sort of all laid out in a specific manner, I feel like verse is just a bit more freeform in that way. So what is usually your writing process throughout each novel? Does it differ between like young adult, adult, all of that? 
A little bit. Um, my writing process, though, across the board is character building first, because for me, character is everything. You know, without characters that you care about, what's the point of reading the book? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I spend a lot of time in the pre-write um, doing like character Bibles and really understanding who the characters are that are going to walk onto the page so that when they come, they can tell me their stories instead of me trying to force them into like an artificial plot. Cause that's when I always get in trouble. Mm-hmm. They'll go, you know, I just really would not do that. I'm like, but I just spent <laughs> 10 pages trying to make you. And really on the adult side, um, adult, mm-hmm. Writing for adults is more reflective. You know, writing for teens, young people are discovering who they are. They're looking for who they are. So it's more of a search for who you are. Um, whereas with an adult, you have perspective and you, it's reflective. You know, you can think back to this many yesterdays that are guiding you today, whereas young people don't have those many, that many yesterdays. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, when I when I peruse the uh, adult like adult fiction section, yeah, I find a more, lot more like introspective stuff. And then like when I want some excitement, <laughs> sometimes I go to the YA section more. And so, um, you know, yeah, you mentioned like your writing process. You create a character bible. You get really into it. Um, and you also mentioned earlier that you know you take some inspiration from your own life and what you've gone through and so do your stories get influenced by maybe music or like current events or anything of you know anything of this sort sure Uh, you know a lot of times it'll be something a statistic or a fact I come across in in my reading or even now a lot of uh, my readers share their stories with me and I I never want to tell somebody else's story specifically because one day they might want to but that could inspire a character or a story thread or or even a theme for a book. Um, so it could be friends, family, readers, in the news, um, or my own life. Wow, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love how <laughs> you just said, like, the, uh, the thing about, you know, letting people tell their own story as well. And I, I think that's actually, like, pretty incredible, you know, just, like, um, don't tell their stories exactly because they might want to um, tell their their own story. And so kind of following along on that tandem, um, uh, what advice do you have for, you know, young writers who are starting uh, out and maybe like, do you have any advice for overcoming writer's block or getting better at writing? Every day that you live, your writing is going to get better again because, you know, you have experiences and you meet people and and you see different places. Um, So patience, don't think you're going to write a best-selling book at 16. Not that it doesn't happen, but maybe (laughs) maybe your path isn't to write that bestseller until you're 22 or 28. For me, my first novel didn't publish until I was 49. So so patience um, and and to people watch relentlessly. (laughs) Be a voyeur, like really study people and listen to what they're talking about and listen to what they're arguing about or what they're watch them kiss whatever you know <laughs> just um yeah look, look at people and and be interested in people and if you're in school still to study psychology and sociology and religion and philosophy and, and the things that um that go into what how people think and who they become yeah i really feel like with writing it's and reading books, I love to read so much. Just reading really connects both the author and all of the readers on such a personal level because you all feel a certain emotion. And the author being able to convey it, I just think it's just so amazing. I feel like what you said is so important to really be observant of other people and learn about these important subjects that really shape the human mind. So going into feedback on your novels, how have your family members reacted to your books? And how about your friends? Well, my oldest reader is definitely my father-in-law, who's now 86 years old, and he reads everything I write. So um, uh, my family, um, they're proud of me. Sometimes they're mad at me because I spend so much time behind my computer instead of doing stuff with them. Probably did on my friends, but uh, all my friends are writers pretty much, so they all kind of get, they're all in the same space that I am that way. So we forgive each other that, and we help each other out, um, inspire each other with, you know, like if we if we block or something, I can call a friend and, you know, we can talk through what's going on, a story problems or whatever. So um, without my family and friends, it would be it would be very difficult to um, do, do as much writing as I do and as successfully as I do. 
Mm-hmm, definitely. It's, it's always nice to have, you know, a solid support base. And, you know, uh, that's, it's really nice that your, your father-in-law reads all of your books and is really there for you in that way. You know, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, and so, you know, uh, you mentioned you, you sometimes and you and your uh, friends sometimes, you know, get writer's block um, and it's a pretty common thing I feel like uh, you hear a lot of people talking about writer's block and uh, how they overcome it or how they get stumped by it and so uh, are there any other creative processes you embrace to maybe get yourself out of writer's block or you know maybe some that you just carry as a hobby first thing I do is step away from the computer and because I'm writing about mm-hmm. two two books a year right now um wow. that's that's a lot of writing in it so yeah, I have to yes. do I can't do it by hand and then go transcribe because I don't have time mm-hmm. so um I step away from the computer and I go out usually do something physical I'll work in my yard or I'll take my dog for a hike or a run um or sometimes I just go I go take a laptop and go somewhere different to write like mm-hmm. Tahoe is not too far from here so I might go up to Tahoe and sit there on the beach and write or to the woods and write because I think when you get into a different space this different kind of creative place in your brain kind of kicks into gear and also when you work so (laughs) I do a lot of working. (laughs) Great and beyond writing what other creative processes do you embrace? Um all my writer friends have something going on you know like I'm not an artist as far as like visual art I'm a I'm a pretty horrible (laughs) drawer (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I cook I bake I can I preserve I again I garden you know I there are a lot of creative things that I I, I'm drawn toward and I just think creative people tend to be drawn toward more than one thing so it's not just writing there's something else that we're doing all the time that Mm -hmm. that makes that place in our brain that you know makes us it's like that happy space we go to (laughs) (laughs) yeah and oh man I I like how you talked about um like you know going out there and kind of doing some outdoors work uh because I feel like I feel like you know, you take your experiences from the outside world and kind of what surrounds you. And I, I think definitely that sounds like a pretty effective way to overcome writer's block is to just go outside and experience the world around you and get inspiration from it. Definitely. Well, it also, it kind of just loosens up your brain when you're not mm-hmm. s- so stressed over like, you know, staring at a page that you're stuck so on. So many words. <laughs> <laughs> right. Step away. Yeah. Or like my, my, um, my English teacher calls it the, I don't know, the, the wall of words. I right. think like the word wall. It's just, you can't break through it. It's just so difficult to find any inspiration sometimes from just like a black and white page. Um, and so, uh, we are a, a little out of time for this segment. Uh, thanks so much, Ellen, for that awesome conversation. And we'll be right back in the next segment and continue our conversation with you. Um, we'll be continuing our fabulous like discussion uh, next segment, again, on the Gift of Challenges and with our star guest, Ellen Hopkins. Uh, I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Maria Wong. For more information on Ellen, please check out our website at ellenhopkins.com. Also be sure to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. Also, please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. Stay right here as we continue our amazing discussion on the gift of challenges. Show the world your smile, be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte Gia, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today on Express Yourself, we have the gift of challenges with uh, author Ellen Hopkins, a New York Times bestselling author with many, many amazing uh, young adult and adult novels to her name. And I'm Maria Wong. So continuing our conversation, Ellen, can you give our listeners some insight about your newest novel, The You I've Never Known? Yep, that book um, means a lot to me because it also was inspired by like a different daughter and a different space. But um, the book is about a girl whose dad has moved her around the country for 14 years. She's been told that her mom deserted her um, and that they finally settled down into this little town in California. Um, she's been in one school for a whole year. She's got love interests, one male, one female. She's figuring out who she is. Just as she's starting to figure that out, she discovers that um, her whole life is based on a lie. And that was that she was kidnapped uh, as a baby by her father. So the part of my life that, that inspired that was um, when my... My daughter was three years old. Um, my ex-husband kidnapped her out of daycare, and I lost her for three years. So not 14 years, but for three years. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. And it was back before the, the – we, we didn't have cell phones then. There were still these things called pay phones, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I would get collect phone calls from him from um, New York or Virginia or Hawaii. So he was moving around, and finally he did settle back in it. Um, where he lived and his grandmother helped me get her back oh my gosh that is that is quite you know a true life story to draw inspiration from I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through that as well and it's like something I, I you know what happens is again the older we get we have all these stories that happen to us and sometimes we close them off in these little spaces in our brains you know like closet doors or something and every now and again we get a chance to open those doors and write them out or let them out somehow so for me it was something I carried um for quite a while and I, it was like okay I think it's time to get rid of that one now let's yeah. get rid of that one too we'll release it you know? <laughs> yeah and so, uh, how how does your you know how does your daughter feel about being kind of the inspiration behind this book, or you know uh, the true life tale kind of uh, behind your new novel? Um, you know, she and I she actually lives right around the corner from me, so we we're close. We're raising I'm raising grandchildren, she's raising children, so our kids play <laughs> together. We're like really really tight. So um, I think I think she was happy to have the story out as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I feel like that, you know, that's kind of maybe cathartic for both of you, I guess. Was it cathartic to kind of, you know, write it out and really just release it out there? Oh, absolutely. It was, I could, I could get all that anger that I've bottled up for all these years (laughs) out out on the page. I could, and I could make him be even more evil than he actually is. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make you be the villain. (laughs) (laughs) and what exactly happened to the husband and father he um he's he's he still lives in indiana he comes around once in a while so i live in northern nevada luckily there's a lot of distance between us yes um i don't we don't speak he he, you know she and she doesn't actually let her kids be around him alone because she does you know she doesn't want them to take off too. So, um, you know, he's her dad and she respects him for that. But, you know, there's there's resentment there still. Mm-hmm, definitely. And like that, you know, that's got to be really rough for, you know, both of you just having that figure, you know, in your life that's like done something so so awful and it's like you know still a fig you're still here what do I do so it, it definitely must be nice to just you know kind of release everything yeah yeah still- you know glad glad you were able to get everything out there you know release your anger and your pain and just you know let it go sometimes right. yeah. and can at- really be a burden <laughs> and at the same time sharing the story with the rest of the world and readers who might have experienced something similar I feel like 
or anybody who has experienced this, I feel like this book will be helpful to everybody. And there are statistics, you know, I mean, it's it's actually pretty common. Usually uh, when a, a parent takes a child, they usually get give them back, you know, before too long. But sometimes they, they just disappear yeah. completely. Yeah, it's awful. And like, um, you know, going, going a little off of that, um, you know, your books and you often appear on banned or challenged book lists um, because, um, because of some of these more sensitive subjects. Uh, has that ever made you consider, you know, self-censoring your work or, you know, uh, holding back a little bit on whatever you need to release? Or do you just, you know, let it go, uh, put it out there for audiences to read? I think the subjects I cover are really important to cover very honestly um, because when you sugarcoat or st- step back from um, the the reality, the honesty of, of the subjects, that's so identical, I'll, I'll use as an example, which is um, childhood sexual abuse at the hands of a father. And um, I had a reader come to me and she said, Thank you for not shutting the door, because when you shut the door, people assume nothing is going on behind those doors. Um, and so to open the door and to let the light in or let the light, the bad out and the light in, I think, is really, really important. So I don't self-censor. And I've, I've been fortunate enough that my publisher, Simon & Schuster, has never asked me to take anything, never asked me to take anything out of a book. And in fact, my editors have... have um, suggested that I, I even go farther if I need to. So to have that kind of support from your publisher and your editors, that's the first thing you need. And then um, and then my readers, you know, I get the letters mm-hmm. from my readers and those that's what keeps me going. That's what makes me know what I'm doing is important work. And they share their stories with me and some of them are more horrific than the ones I write. So mm-hmm. this is, it, it is real world. And I, you know, I get that there are adults that would rather not look at that part of young people's experiences Mm -hmm. but to deny that is to say it doesn't happen so it's important that we give them a voice and allow them to speak up yeah like you you can't look away from the problems and you know the issues in this world and you know going uh, again like along that tangent a little bit uh, there's there's a lot of like political correctness or like the political you know to be politically correct there's a lot of that going around in you know on social media sites and on the internet nowadays how do you feel about that do you think it's better to be politically correct and like you know not injure anyone's feelings or is it better to just you know be honest with yourself like how honest is too honest I think you need to be sensitive to other people certainly um and to their concerns and to their their own pain but on the other hand you can go you can way go overboard the other way too um and you know there there are a lot of conversations that get blown out of proportion online that unfortunately because when you're not looking in somebody's eyes and having mm-hmm. discussions, it's a lot easier to uh, be, well, rude isn't even close enough. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be, be nasty, to be atrocious. mean, you know. <laughs> right. And, you know, and you, you can see it. Um, you know, you, you see Twitter battles and whatever, and it's, sometimes you're just like, oh, just enough already, you know. Let's, mm-hmm. let's have a conversation, not a, not a you know. Take yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> not a, not a, you know, a battle over the internet. You right. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there definitely is, I feel like, a lot of um, volatile words that are passed back and forth on Twitter or any social media. And sort of going along with that, I'm just curious about your opinion. Um, I know recently there's been a lot of trigger words or trigger warnings before reading articles or things like that. Do you believe in trigger words? Like, do you agree with the use of them? I really don't, but <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, because because you can you can assume anything is a trigger word. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. You know, so I think if you know a book, what a book is about, then you you as the person on the other end of that can decide if that's going to be triggering or you know. I don't. I think too many warnings. Then we get we push towards censorship again, and um and I'm a real staunch believer in in the First Amendment and the right to speak up and, and say what you need to or write what you need to. So um, I think I think those warnings are on the, the side of the, the reader. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like especially in this time and age, it really is important that we really do have the right to say what we want to say, but also, yeah, I just agree with you. Um, 
So how, I was also wondering, I was reading that you travel around 100 days a year for school and library visits, book signings, festivals, etc. How has really meeting with the readers face-to-face impacted your writing? It's the best. I mean, I love to be in schools because... And I like all different kinds of experiences. So, like, I have done inner city schools. I've done, you know, rural suburban schools. I've done, like, way out in the country schools. (laughs) And um, what I get to is that inside we're more alike than not. You know, I I mean, I'm a pretty political animal. If you see me online, I'm a I'm. I'm a I'm a liberal <laughs> and so <laughs> but but liberal or conservative inside we all want the same things we want to take care of our kids we want a healthy environment we want um yeah. to to love and to be loved that's I think that's the main one for all of us and so to that search for love is it's such a universal um and I think that's what YA really um successfully covers is that that need that desire to love and be loved Definitely. And yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, my my dad is a conservative and I'm a liberal. So we get into a lot of these like heated discussions about how the country should be run and like where we should go from here. But you know, at the end of the day, we just all want the same thing. And, and you know, you also mentioned you go around to all these different schools and like, you know, all, all of these different kids from different backgrounds. And, you know, do you, do you like, are you able to find like, you know, there that the core for every kid is kind of, or like every teen is kind of similar, you know, their, their struggles or like what they deal with. Um, are you able to find kind of like a central, how do you say this? Like a, like a, you know, a core to all of these kids that are essentially the same. You know, again, that's at heart. We're the same. And, you know, we all struggle with different things, but everybody, what I would say is nobody's going to get out of this life without bad days and without dark days, you know, and then the, then the good days come after. And so to remember that, that when we're going through these times of our lives that are pretty painful, that that something better is at the far end of that, I think that's really important. And for a lot of young people, it's hard to see past today. And again, that's with being an adult and having all these many, many yesterdays to to go, look, I made it through that and I made it through that. And look, here I am still, you know, when you're 15 or 16 years old, it's harder to say, you know, there will be something better at the other end, but there will be. That's a promise for me to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, right. I'm worried just about like getting into college and all of this stressful stuff. And I guess I do, you know, like like many other teens got to take a step back and take a breather, maybe calm down about the immediate future and kind of look towards all those days that I have left. Oh, that's really good advice. Thank you so much. Those are great words to live by. Uh, And so, uh, Ellen, before we head out really quick, uh, do you have anything that you're working on now that you'd like to kind of, you know, give a preview of or like talk about a little bit more? Yeah, the next book will be uh, fall 2018. It's called People Kill People, um, and it addresses gun violence. That's powerful. Oh, my it's, gosh. And it's, um, so I pull out of first person. <laughs> this is the first, the first novel I've done that pulls out of first person. And I was going to write it omniscient third, and I ended up mm-hmm. putting it in second. So <laughs> you, <laughs> wow. you, you become, <laughs> right, you become the person that's considering whatever. Oh my gosh. So it's a, it's a direct message. It's a bit, it's a real challenge to do, <laughs> but, but, you know, I wanted to keep challenging myself as a writer and I want to keep challenging my readers and, um, and I don't want to ever just get stale. So I figured let's, let's do new stuff. Let's do good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Ellen, for that terrific discussion. And that was that was kind of a perfect note, really, to end it on and uh, end this segment of Gift of Challenges with, you know, always bring out more things and, you know, bring out more new things, try out new, uh, new voices when you're writing, I guess. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time, um, but audience, stay tuned to keep, keep up with the rest of our fantastic show today and make sure you guys all learn more about star author Ellen Hopkins and her works and go to ellenhopkins.com to learn more about all everything that she does and all the works that she's written. Uh, I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Maria Wong. During the break, please be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be, be the Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. 
More info under events at our website at btsya.org. Please visit expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. When we come back, we'll continue our inspiring conversation on challenges. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself. I'm Brigitte Gia, and today's hour is all about the gift of challenges. And I'm Maria Wong. For today's segment, we have Aim to Shoot reporter Katie Chu. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie, the reporter for Aim to Shoot, which is all about careers. And today I'm going to be just really talking about the challenges in choosing a career, finding a job, and really succeeding in it in the future. So with finding a career, obviously, it's a really complicated process, an emotional one, just a difficult one for a lot of people. And one major problem that a lot of people don't consider as they're going into their career search or really thinking about what kind of path they want to choose regarding their future career is a lack of professional guidance. So a majority of students don't actually get professional career guidance and counseling, even if it can help them in choosing what courses they want to pursue or what they should do in order to prepare for a certain career. And without without this counseling or guidance, they often don't know what different options are available to them, whether it's just preparing for a career or tr- choosing a career or just finding the career that's right for them. And they often won't realize whether a career isn't suitable for them. And when they do realize that, it might be too late. As a result, professional guidance, even though it's extremely useful and helpful for a lot of people, a majority of people don't realize that it's available to them and that they should take take advantage of its um, availability to them. Now, another obstacle for many people is, of course, a lack of financial resources. So the biggest hurdle when choosing a career can be the lack of um, financial availability and education, especially these days in the modern world, never comes for free, obviously. And obviously, a lot of colleges out there, private colleges and kind of some of the top colleges that a lot of people consider necessary for a good um for success might be really expensive and a lot of people won't be able to attend that college despite um, being admitted into it or being able to go there. And since a lot of people might not be able to afford their best choice for a college or for education, this might limit their ability to pursue certain opportunities in the future. But people Students always have to consider kind of the scholarships and the financial aid programs available. Now, a lot of people aren't, again, like professional guidance, aren't aware of these opportunities. And for example, at my school, we spend several days talking about kind of the financial opportunities that are available to us just in case someone um, feels that their financial resources are limiting their ability to get a certain education or go toward a certain path. So you always have to consider the scholarships or the financial aid programs or um, certain applications that are available to you that you can take and make sure that financial resources aren't um, become, being a huge obstacle in pursuing a certain career. And of course, in, um, outside these prof- uh, issues of 
not realizing that professional guidance and financial resources are um, available to you, there are a lot of internal obstacles to finding a career. For example, the fear of failure. So a lot of people might not pursue a certain career because they're afraid of failing. For example, obviously becoming a doctor is a huge um is a huge accomplishment and there's high competition. This is a really well-known fact and it's a lot of, it's a reason why a lot of people might not pursue going into medical school knowing how competitive medical school is and how a lot of people who are really exceptional do try to um, also become doctors. And a lot of people out of fear of not being able to succeed in that environment and not being able to keep up with the studying might not pursue it at all, even if they really do internally, really in their mind, want to become a doctor. Now, this very failure becomes an obstacle for a lot of people when they're trying to choose a career, as it does in just a lot of different things, whether you're at a local competition or even um, just doing a speech, the fear of failure is always there and, and it's a huge obstacle for a lot of people and especially it's huge in finding a career because the, if you let the fear of failure kind of um, influence your decision, whereas it might just lead to a poor grade in, in that class, when you're if it blocks you while you're trying to choose a career, it can actually have um, a pretty big impact on your life. For example, you might end up having huge regrets for a long time, and that's something that would really influence how you view yourself and your satisfaction for a long time, yeah. And another internal kind of obstacle is the pressure of current obligations. So people generally depend on their internal thoughts and their internal um or current situation to kind of make their decisions and personal obligations can often make people really hasten their career related decisions and it makes them um, choose careers that are safer and that uh, they'll be able to get more quickly and um, what rather than other more important factors such as whether it's really suitable for them whether the opportunities that can provide for them in the future and making a decision too quickly or making a decision based on um, wanting to only go the safest route can often also lead to regrets and lead to really limited future. And so much can really stem from that first choice toward career, um, toward your career path. And a lot of people let these kind of obstacles block their way from it even though there's a lot of different options to really consider in um, really removing these obstacles. Now, as an overall solution to these kind of um, issues to finding a career, career guidance is really a huge thing. It's one of the most important aspects of education, according to many people. And without proper career counseling in schools, uh, your path might often be undirected. And undirected and you may not know which way to go or how to really overcome different things in the future, where to take um, the next step and where to look for when you're when you've, you're facing a huge problem. And career guidance will let you know all the different uh, choices that you have, all the opportunities regarding finances. You can it'll also um, really give you confidence in your choices. And that's huge for really going toward a strong career. Now, obviously, why do why are these um, obstacles such big issues and for a lot of people? And it's because careers can't be. Um, this is a word that I found in my research, but can't be prescribed. It's not something where you take an aptitude test um, and it's immediately chosen for you. It's not like when you're trying to get into an advanced math class and you just take this test and it lets you in or not. Because even if you take all those career aptitude tests in school, for example, Naviance, uh, that doesn't really decide it for you. It's just giving you some feedback and some options. But the choice is really yours and people... Um, prefer to really be passive about these kind of choices. So they they sometimes delay it, they go the easiest route into choosing it, and they don't really give it the deep thought that it requires because career choosing your career is really, um, it's not permanent, obviously. Even if you choose a career, there's always the option to um, go, go toward another career in the middle of your life. But really for a lot of satisfaction or high satisfaction earlier in your life, you may want to really give 
that career choice a lot of deep thought before going into it. That way you can start off with a successful beginning and continue to be successful as you go throughout your career path. And this is kind of contrary to the uh, idea of not being aware of all the career choices you have. But another problem is often um, there are too many career choices and people don't People don't know where to choose from. For example, I have several friends as seniors in high school who really still don't know where to go because they realize, oh, I like math, but from math, there's engineering, there is um, computer science. And if you go into computer science, there's um, chemistry-related computer science, bio-related computer science. There's even business-related computer science. And there's so many career choices that people get really confused about their futures and don't know what to choose. And again, with this, whether it's lack of awareness, educational barriers, an overload of career choices, really getting some advice, some guidance can help you. Now, obviously, choosing a career is the first step. But after that, you also have to find a job after you go through college and your education. And one thing that often um, is an obstacle for people trying to find a job is that you are really desperate to find a job. Desperation to to finding a job can lead you to uh, sending resumes to jobs that are not right for you and trying to choose a job that may not exactly be in your field. And in doing so, you really do end up being unhappy when you're when you're working for that job. So despite, even if you really need a job um, and you're kind of desperate for one, you have to really be rational in where you send your resumes and what you consider and make sure you're considering a wide range of jobs don't just look in the local area think about having possibly longer commute and having a job that's more right for you now another problem for a lot of people in finding their jobs is you know not knowing what you want and not being able to find opportunities and these are really things that you can um see You can really, if you just open up your mind and look through different resources to find opportunities and to really analyze what you're into, that can really um, improve your chances for finding a job and finding a job that's right for you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I feel like I can, I don't know, this is a great segment to really have in challenges or like in general, um, because I feel like a lot of teens nowadays, we try to find the the job that will, again, like make the most money, you know, make us the most successful. I know my parents personally are like, you should go into STEM, whereas (laughs) I I really like humanities, you know, my parents are like, no, you're not going to make any money. (laughs) And so it is, you know, it's really difficult to kind of find something you like that, you'll also be successful at that will like please your parents so you know maybe at the end of the day you just want to find something that's really suitable to your to yourself and Mm -hmm. so you know of all these challenges that you've really listed you know you've listed an entire thing for us which which seems to be the one that people struggle the most to overcome I think uh, or from what I've researched uh, Mm -hmm. the challenge that a lot of people seem to struggle to overcome or out too is that they have expectations and often reality doesn't really match that expectation for example um, (laughs) when they're going into job they think oh it'll be I'll be able to apply everything that I've learned but often these jobs that um, we have aren't exactly 100% aligned with the you know the education we receive and a lot of people even though they may imagine oh maybe I'll be a scientist oh maybe I'll be a researcher maybe I'll be this super successful person and a lot of people end up in administration um, you know positions and they kind of end up disappointed but really the solution in this is to look for opportunities for satisfaction around you you know if you're not satisfied in your position then try to go deeper into that company or you know position look for more projects around you and maybe that'll lead to you know new doors Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, that's great advice for all our listeners and for all the teens out there who are, um, you know, finding it hard to find their own path and discover themselves. And so thank you so much, Katie, for such an educational segment about challenges, about, you know, finding your the career that will suit you. Unfortunately, it is time to say farewell. Uh, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Brigitte Gia. 
And I'm Maria Wong. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to btsya.org and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, overcome your challenges, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines If you would let yourself